Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. With us this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks to be able to come together in this place today, to be a part of this body of Christ, to be able to experience the hope that we have in you, to be able to once again cling to the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. And so, Lord, in this time, would you come? Speak to us, Lord, for your children are listening. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. I do want to say a quick word of appreciation to Liz for being willing to step in on such short notice. Uh, As she mentioned, Pastor Corey is in Richmond this morning. She's having the opportunity to baptize the infant of one of her closest friends. And so uh, what a beautiful thing for her to get to go and to be a part of that. And her friend is also a United Methodist pastor. And so it's great that she's able to be there for them to be a part of that. And Pastor Sarah was anticipating being here, having returned from her vacation. However, as she had returned from her vacation in Florida, she brought home another souvenir. Not the same souvenir I brought back from when we went on a trip, but you could say she flew back and is uh, not uh, experiencing much joy right now at this moment. So I'm thankful this just turned on us and we were able to reach out to Liz and she was willing to step in and fill in. And so thank you so much for that, Liz, today. We're grateful for your willingness to serve. In 1937, Thomas A. Dorsey wrote these words. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must must go alone. Those words are fitting for us right now. Because a lot of us are tired and weary, but we must go alone. I mean, this season is so chaotic and busy. I mean, even in the church, it takes us five to ten minutes just to do the morning announcements because there are so many things going on in the life of the church. And so it is easy for us to be tired and weary. And look, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You only have 20 more shopping days before Christmas is upon us. And so keep the phones away. No looking up on Amazon what your next order is or when it's going to arrive. We can do that after service. But I mean, the time is upon us. And if you have not done your shopping yet, you better get to it because it's going to be here before we know it. And when you go into the stores, it's so chaotic and hectic and people are just anything but sharing the love and the hope and joy of the season, right? I mean, it's just, it's so much chaos and so much turmoil. And I mean, at my house, we've got our tree up. Our house has been Clark Griswold. You didn't know that could be a verb, but it can. Our house has been Clark Griswold as much as it can be. And yet it still feels like I'm longing for something more. 
because it's so busy. Things are so full of chaos, and it's so easy to be so, as he said, tired and weary, but we must go along. I mean, physically, I can relate to Dorsey's words because physically we get so tired and weary as we're so active and doing so many different things. And it seems like sometimes as you're in the middle of doing one thing, you're already thinking about the very next thing that you have to do. And it just wears on us. And so we grow tired and weary physically. But I can't imagine when he wrote those words how tired and weary he himself felt. Thomas Dorsey is a man that was born in Georgia back in 1899 to a poor, this poor African-American family who had had so many different things going against them, so many hardships for them. In fact, the family picked up from living in rural Georgia to move to Atlanta where there might be more opportunities, and yet he continued to face one struggle after another, one injustice after another. And as he experienced all these, he turned away from the God that his parents had taught him about. And as he began to live his life away from God, he wanted nothing to do with God. Until one day, as he had already become an accomplished musician, one day a cousin had invited him to church. He decided to go, if nothing else, but to listen to the music. And as he was there as a part of that service, God spoke to him. You never know when God's going to speak. God spoke to him and touched his heart and brought about a transformation within him such that he devoted his life from that point on to serving the Lord. And as he had been serving the Lord, leading choirs, starting choirs, building together chorus organizations to spread the gospel all across the country, it was in 1932 that he was in St. Louis, Missouri, for a choral uh, opportunity to share and to lead a choir. And as he was at the special evangelistic event, he received a telegram, a telegram that informed him that his beloved wife had died. He was broken and immediately made his way to find out the rest of the story. And as he called back home, he found out that not only had his wife died, but so had his newborn son broken. He said, I want nothing to do with a God that let something like that happen. In fact, that very week, he was quoted as crying out and saying, God, you're not worth a dime to me right now. You know, I think if we were really honest with ourselves, I mean, really honest, we all might have had a moment or two that we sort of felt and could relate to what he's experienced, what he expressed. We, we get tired, we get weary. And so many times, it's maybe in moments of intense grief where we are grieving the loss of someone that we dearly love such as he himself had lost. And maybe it's the, the loss of a relationship or a friendship. Maybe a your trust has been broken and it can never be reestablished. And so that relationship is done and we grieve the loss of that friendship. Maybe it's the loss of our health. You've received a diagnosis that came out of nowhere, and you don't know what you're going to do with this news. You don't know how God is going to redeem this. Maybe it's even the loss of a job that we didn't see coming. 
We find ourselves tired and weary, and we're dealing with that grief, and it just manifests within us, and it just creates all of this noise within us that it becomes hard to hear the voice of God over that noise. And frankly, sometimes that loss is so significant, maybe we can relate to what Thomas Dorsey said. God, you don't mean anything to me right now. I don't want anything to do with you. Maybe it's in moments of, of intense anger. I mean, you know, we get angry so quick over so many things. It seems like anything can set us off. Anger over the world that is around us that continues to have acts of violence that make no sense. Acts of injustices all around us. Acts of racism. Things that continue to divide us. Divide us. You know, I find... I get, my wife has to remind me when I'm driving, calm down. That probably doesn't happen to you. <laughs> calm down. It's not going to take you any longer to get there. Or if it does, so what? In fact, I saw something recently that was a good reminder, and she's done a good job of reminding me of this, about when you're driving, that this one man, somebody was sharing about their father, that when he saw somebody on the road, that if they used their turn signal and then changed lanes, he would say, hey, great job, beige Toyota. I see you using that turn signal. That's a good reminder. It's almost anti-road rage. And, and that's a good thing to be thinking the positive. But we find ourselves, we're so quick to anger. And that creates all this extra noise within us that once again, if it's not the grief, if it's not the loss, if it's not the chaos, it's the anger. And in so many things, it builds up and we can't hear the voice of God. Thomas Dorsey had let it all build up within him. He was angry. He had experienced such remarkable loss. And that week... He wanted nothing to do with anybody and especially nothing to do with God. But as that week went on, he found himself sitting at a piano and words began to come. One of those uh, words you know of as the hymn, Precious Lord, take my hand. Because he knew that there was no way he could carry on on his own. It was when he finally sat down and stopped and allowed the silence that he was able to find peace. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the loss, in the midst of the anger, he stopped and was able to find peace. You know, in those words that Liz read from the prophet Isaiah, to the people of God, I find that these words had to be that same kind of peace that was being spoken into Thomas Dorsey's life. That same kind of peace because King Ahaz, the king, had led, had brought disaster upon the southern kingdom of Judah. He himself, even though he was of the line of David, even though he was of the house of David, even though he was a, a stump from Jesse's tree, you could say, he himself had led to devastation for the house of Judah because he had chosen not to trust God. He had turned his ways away. So the people of God have been defeated. And there's this image almost like a forest that's been clear cut. It's been wiped out. Israel feels as though it's been wiped out. The kingdom of Judah has been wiped out. But then God sends word to the people of God. He sends the word through the prophet Isaiah who says, A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. 
That even though everything might be torn down, even though every, you have lost everything, you've, you're filled with anger, you're filled with grief, you're filled with loss, even though all of that, there shall come a stump from Jesse's, uh, a, of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of its roots. He says that this king, this stump that shall come forward, these are the attributes that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, let's see. There seems to be somebody in the New Testament that we remember hearing at one time. He was in the synagogue. He read some scripture and then he rolled it up and he said something along the lines of the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't you may think of who that might be. Just continue to ponder on that. But as God is going to raise up this, this new king from the stump of Jesse, it says that the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he shall delight in the fear of the Lord. Oh, he gives us these attributes of who this king is and who this king will be. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with his righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. We hear that this, judge, this king is going to come forward. And that which is made, has been wrong will be made right. That this king will be a just king, unlike those that have preceded. This is a king. In fact, it's a king that's going to bring peace. This king is going to bring such peace. And it goes on and tells us that peace that the king will bring. That the wolf shall live with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze and the young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There will be peace in the midst of loss, in the midst of anger, in the midst of all the chaos. There's this promise that this king will bring peace. Friends, I don't know about you, but I long for that peace. That's the peace that we come to. And as we are going through Advent, each Sunday in the, uh, of Advent, we are coming to the table where the Prince of Peace invites us to the table. The Prince of Peace comes, and we come to the table not because of what we do or have done. We come to the table because the one that has invited us. And it's at that table, there we find peace. There will be peace at the table because the Prince of Peace invites us there to the table. There will be peace at this table because when we come, we come like the story of blind Bartimaeus. As those that are participating in Band of Brothers, just this week we covered that story once again, being reminded of blind Bartimaeus who's on the side of the road. As Jesus is coming by, walking by, he hears, he can't see, remember that, so he hears that Jesus is coming up. And as he hears Jesus is coming, he cries out to him, Jesus... Son of David, have mercy on me. Friends, when we come to the table, we come like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we find that peace when we come to his table. There will be peace because when we come to this table, we come knowing that we are sinners in need of that grace. We are sinners who have fallen short and missed the mark. 
And so many times in the world, when we have sinned against someone else, when we have fallen short and missed the mark, what that begats is another act of harm or violence against someone else. One act begats another and begats another. But that's not the economy of God. When we come to this table, we come as sinners, acknowledging that we are in need of God's mercy. And instead of it begatting violence, Jesus says, watch what I can do. And what he can do is he can make the lion lay down with the lamb. Jesus can make the bears be gentle. Isaiah gives us that vision. Isaiah gives us that vision of how wolves can live with the lamb and the calf and the lion together, how the cow and the bear shall graze, and that there can be peace when we come to this table. And if there can't be peace when we come to the table, if there can't be peace in the context of the church, then what hope for peace do we have in the world? What witness are we giving to the world if we can't find peace when we come to the table? Peace with one another. Peace. I mean, when we come to the table, we focus on the way that we are all the same sinners in need of grace. When we come to the table, there are not liberal or conservatives. When we come to the table, there's not progressives or traditionalists. When we come to the table, there are not wolves or rams. There's not devils or deacons. When we come to the table, all it is is sinners in need of God's mercy. And when we can recognize that we see one another as someone that Jesus was willing to die for, when we can look upon one another and not see the things that divide us, And the lion can lay down with the lamb. The bears will be gentle. There will be peace. Friends, that's a peace I need. That's a peace the world needs. That's the peace I cling to, the peace and the hope. There will be peace. And the Advent, uh, Advent is that season of the people of God clinging to that hope and that peace. And in spite of the devastation and division all around us, We come together as one to experience that peace. Thomas Dorsey wrote those words that I began with, but he finished the song in this way. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must Till the Lord comes and calls me, calls me away. Oh, yes. Well, the morning is so bright, and the Lamb is the light, and the as black as the sea There will be peace in the valley for me someday There will be peace peace in the valley 
sadness No sorrow No, no trouble Will I see in spite of the grief, in spite of the anger, in spite of the chaos, there will be peace when we come to this table. Let us pray. Lord, we are so tired and weary, but we must go along until you do come and call us. Call us home. Lord, today we come together to, in need of that peace that peace that can come from no other place but from you. And so we come seeking and clinging to that hope for that peace in a world that wants to do nothing but divide us and separate us. Lord, may we all look upon one another as a child of God that you were willing to die for. May we look upon one another as nothing more than a sinner in need of your mercy. So, Lord, let us experience that peace this day. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.